Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I'll tell you about my Jesus. You want to hear about my Jesus? My Jesus is amazing. My, my Jesus is, is actually my best friend. My, my Jesus is, is the one that never gave up on me. My Jesus is the one who always pursued me. My Jesus is the one that always waits for me. My Jesus is the one that always forgives me time and time again. My Jesus is the one that wants to be known to everyone. Amen? So we need to be out there. We need to be telling people about my Jesus, right? It's not abstract. It's not theory. This is a testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. And that's what we talk about, right? Too many people get so nervous that they got to talk to somebody about Jesus. It's because you're trying to introduce him uh, 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 this abstract guy that's hard to talk about no you talk about what Jesus has done in your life that's what we do we talk about Jesus I just read a, a great article in one of my my pastor magazines that I get and it's actually was talking about the D church do you guys know what the D church is so you have the unchurched those are people that don't know Jesus at all but the de-churched is now a very large group within our country that have walked away from church. They've either been hurt by church or they, they have done something called casually quit. They've just stopped going to church. And the pandemic, that, that, that terrible lockdown that we had to go through, really escalated the de-churched within our nation, within our city, within our neighborhoods. And, and the point of this article, lots of statistics, lots of data, lots of surveys and all this stuff. And it's talking about different people groups and different kinds of de-churched people. But the fact of the matter is, de-churched people are very easy to get back to church. They want to come back to church. Sometimes they just don't know it. But they want to come back to church. And you know how you get the de-churched back to church? You simply invite them. And they're going to make up excuses at first. So you keep inviting them. And they're going to make up more excuses. And you keep inviting them until they say, fine, I'll go. And then they come. And they experience what we have to offer. And they're no longer de-churched. They are now churched. We tell them about our Jesus. That's what we need to be about, right? We need to go after the unchurched, right? We absolutely do. The Bible tells us we have to. But now that we have such a large population of the de-churched, we need to be going after them as well. You guys know it. You guys work with them. You guys have them as neighbors. You guys have them in your friend circle. How many of you guys have relatively close friends that have just stopped going to church? Just start inviting them. That's all it is. Tell them, hey, I'll get you a free coffee. And bring them in and sit with them and talk to them and, and pray with them and, and encourage them and stand with them. Let's get the de-churched back so that we can gain our army. 
so we can go after the unchurched. What do you think? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's in your wisdom that we, that we desire to, to do all things. So, Lord God, guide us on this. Lord God, how's the best way that we may affect and reach the de-churched in our community, in our, in our social circles? Lord God, we step back and, and we desire your guidance here because it's so much better than ours. So give us that wisdom and that discernment. Give us that leading. Give, me, give us those divine opportunities as it arises in conversation. And Lord God, help us to never take the stance of, well, Jesus is coming back anytime anyway, so let's just wait on Him. Lord, rather let us watch for You but also be about your business. Lord, let's help us to take as many people with us as we can. Jesus, today, once again, it's all about you. It has to be all about you. We will boldly speak your name, the name of Jesus Christ in this building until your return. Doesn't matter what's going on in culture. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. No ideology, no threats are going to sway us from pursuing you and proclaiming your name. We pray for Israel and the things that are going on over there, Lord God. We stand against evil. We stand against the, the demonic. We stand against the deception. And we stand with our brothers and sisters who are in Israel. And Lord God, we pray that just a few more every day, a few more every hour, come to the realization that you are the true Messiah. But Lord God, we understand this is all in your plan. This is all in your hand. So we simply say, let your will be done. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for lively participating in worship today, which we always do, but man, that's a, I, I told Jen, what a great song to end with, right? Sometimes, sometimes we end worship and it's, and it's kind of down here and, and it's usually appropriate for the message. And I told Jen, oh, what an appropriate song to, uh, to end with today with the, the, the message we're going into, the portion of scripture that we are, we are in, in, in our series on, on Colossians. Kids! I'm going to dismiss the kids. You guys can run on down. Be extra loud today. Be extra crazy. Right? Ask lots of questions. Even if they're just general questions like how much does an elephant weigh? We need to always pray for our kids. We need to pray for our youth. We don't quite understand what they have to endure on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, there's just a lot that are coming at them, so always keep, keep our kids in prayer. All right, a couple announcements. Uh, west of 50s, that's today, the progressive dinner. Amy has a clipboard. She is going to pass around. Sandy asked me to pass the clipboard around because Sandy wants to cook for more people. So, and all of them. So we're going to pass that around. If you're not signed up, sign up. You know what? I do have one question that's a, a, an important question because I didn't read. Um, what house do we go to first? It's a Paula's house. Okay, Sandy's got... If you have questions about a progressive dinner, um, which I've never done... Um, 
don't know about it, ask ask Sandy, but Sapala's are the number one stop, and uh, we'll just go from there. But you've still time to sign up. Again, if you have questions, shoot them to, to Sandy before you leave today. And then we have a ladies' luncheon coming up on November 13th. That, there's a, ch I don't have a slide for that one, I don't think. There's a change in that, though. They no longer are meeting at Shelley's. They're now meeting at Pizza Ranch, right? Um, so, ladies, if you can, plan on attending that. That's November 13th, and Andrea Judd is our speaker. Um, so that'll be good. It's always great to get together, and it's, it's always a good thing. And then we have the Bridge Builders Dessert Auction coming up November 19th. So in a couple Sundays, um, the dessert auctions are always fun. Um, we need desserts, and we need people to buy desserts. So it'll be right after service. We'll just get rolling on it. Um, but please consider making your very best dessert your most favorite, what everybody loves, bring that in and we'll just line them up. It's a great way to buy your desserts for Thanksgiving. And then all the, the proceeds are going to the Hope Center. And we're going to hear from a couple ladies in a few minutes here, just so we have a better idea of, of everything that the Hope Center does. And then also on November 19th, what is due on November 19th? The boxes. You have to have the boxes back on the ten dollars in in my pocket no in the box okay put the ten dollars in the box um that way it gets it to where it needs to go but but here's the deal guys like when we do other outreaches like backpacks or food drives or anything we always have a little bit of a window it's like hey if you bring your backpack in on on monday morning or tuesday morning we can still get it to where it needs to go by by wednesday or whatever this is a hard deadline they have to be back november 19th if you don't get them back on november 19th you're going to have little pairs of socks and little notebooks and all that because we just can't, uh, you can't put it off. Man, they load this stuff on a plane and it's gone, so we can't, uh, we can't uh, vary in that deadline this time. And then also, how many of you guys were here last week for the service? Robin was. A couple people were. No, we had, we had plenty. If, if you remember, um, I put a sweatshirt on during the, the service, right? And, and it said... It, the what? You remember that? I hope you guys have been putting your new self on as well. Um, and I said we'll be having um, an opportunity to get sweatshirts or t-shirts. There's a sign up in, under the, the TV in the foyer. Um, you can sign up if you would like a shirt or a sweatshirt. Uh, just make sure you put your name on, what size you want, what color you want. If it's a t-shirt or a sweatshirt, and it's mostly hoodies, but if you want, what would you call a sweatshirt without a hoodie? Is that just a crew? If you want that, just put crew in there. Um, and then there's three different options. You can get a sweatshirt that's just going to say Bridge Assembly right there. Um, there's the one that I had on that says Real Answers to, to Real Life. Um, and then there's a third one that says Ask Me About My Church. And they'll all have the bridge logo on them somewhere. But go ahead and sign, sign up for those if you want one. Um, and then we'll, we'll begin to roll those out. Um, kind of like if you're on the top of the list, you're going to get yours first. If you're way on the bottom, 
you're going to get yours not first. Um, but we'll just kind of keep this going because we have the ability to, to, to do that. So sign up. The price is, is, is really great. It's like 25 for a sweatshirt. You don't get a sweatshirt for 25 bucks anywhere. And the t-shirt, I think, is 12 So order a bunch. No, don't include money with it. We'll, we'll, you pay when, when you get it. That way, I think, won't that be easier, Mel? Sure, and it's Mel. Mel's going to take all the money anyway, so whatever we can do to make it hard on Mel, just, we, we know. Um, I don't want, yeah, let's just, when you get the shirt, you pay for it, and then we'll probably make up extras and have them for sale in the cafe. All right, four ways to give. I think that's all the announcements. Four ways to give. Like always, you can give online at bridgehelena.com or through our app, which is online. If you don't have our app, consider getting our app. It's got so much good stuff on there. You can text it to 84321. You can use the giving boxes, or you can mail it to 725 Granite Avenue. Um, obviously, it's important to give if you've never taken that step in your life like I encouraged you last week. Try taking that step in your life, trusting God with that, and, and uh, just an amazing thing. The things we see God does when we're obedient to Him, and don't fall under the, the, the misconception that, that we can do certain things in our faith, and God's pleased with that. God's looking for complete obedience. So some people will be like, well, I, I, I give financially, which allows me to, to not do all this other stuff, right? No, it all goes together. So we worship, we come to church, we read our Bibles, we pray, we trust God with our finances, we give, we, we tell people about Jesus. God's looking for the, the full ball of wax right there, right? It's not a partial faith that we have. It's a complete faith. So please continue to give and, and, uh, and watch God do amazing things. Well, with that being said, I'm going to invite the ladies from the Hope Center up. And they're going to give us a quick rundown of really what they offer and what they do. Um, and then, of course, this is where anything from our dessert auction will be going. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Carolyn. And hi. Thank you for having us this morning. I am the director of the Women's Hope Center in Clancy. And I have with me Brittany. Brittany is one of our one of our program graduates, and she's currently interning um, at the center under our recovery coordinator um, for a, a role in a staff position. So thank you very much for having us. It's been a really um, wonderful service this morning. I love seeing different churches and just bodies of Christ around our community worshiping um, on Sunday morning. I actually grew up in this church when I was in high school. I didn't realize where the map was taking me this morning until um, we were almost here, but at that time it was neighborhood assembly, and all the memories are just coming back. I remember youth group out there and working in a nursery. That's where, luckily, I learned anything I know now about being a mom, so um, <laughs> thankful for that experience. So yeah, thanks for having us here. Um, the Hope Center, for um, those of you, I know some familiar faces in here might know what we offer. Um, but for those of you that don't, we are a worldwide um, discipleship program for men and women. So we have different campuses um, for men than we do for women. Um, 
We were, it's been around since 2007. So we have 49 campuses right now in the United States, and then we have three in Wales. Um, our center here in Helena opened in April 1st of 2020. Since then, we've served over 200 women and their, and their families. Um, right now, we have 27 ladies enrolled in our program, and we have capacity for up to 34. So what we do is we take people um, from all walks of life. Sometimes they have never opened a Bible in their life, um, and sometimes they're, they're pastor's kids. Um, but people that have reached a point in their life to where they realize that they need God. And they're at a point where they're broken. Sometimes, oftentimes, we're working with the court system to serve as an alternative to incarceration. And so we can go in and get people out of jail. We have a legal liaison that works with the prosecutor in order to do that. We get people out of federal jail as well as state. Um, and they have to be willing. They know when they come to our program, they're going to be learning about Jesus. They're going to be reading their Bible. Um, what they believe isn't, we don't care about what they believe. They just have to go through the curriculum. And every time, God gets a hold of them. Uh, we don't know if we're planting the seed, watering the seed, or harvesting the seed. Um, but we definitely um, see, I've never not seen God get a hold of somebody. Our program is one year long. It's split up into phases, and it's designed as a transition. So by the time they graduate, they have a job. They've gone through financial management and a budgeting class. They have money saved up so that they can move out and transition back to the community, back to their family, um, or just back on their own, whatever that looks like for them. But they have a foundation under them and a foundation built on Christ. So we partner with multiple de denominations. Um, across the nation, just Bible-believing churches. Um, here in Helena, our partner church is Mountain Family Fellowship, but we need the help of all of the body of Christ. Um, some of our current needs right now are for women to lead a 7 a.m. Bible study on Wednesday morning, and it is laid out for you on what's taught during that. There's some structure to it so that we make sure and hit on the key points. And also for a um, phase two counselor. Now it's a lay counselor, so you don't have to be licensed. What it really is is biblical discipleship. So you're taking them through the Bible one-on-one, um, -on -one, and it's a one-hour-a-week commitment, and you follow that one lady through the whole program, and you meet with her one hour a week. And then, um, see the Bible study teacher. Oh, and then a step group. So we take them through the 12 steps of Celebrate Recovery, and that's every day at 1 o'clock. These are the ladies that just have come into the program. So many of them come from homelessness, jails. I mean, they're really broken when they come in, and during these step groups, that's who you're working with. Um, so it's a really important time in their recovery. And we do not accept any state funding. We do um, require that they read their Bible and go to church. So we opt out of a lot of that. So we do two fundraisers a year and really appreciate that you guys are helping us through this um, dessert auction. Sounds really fun. So that's basically um, what I have to share. I'll just mention that, you know, from what was said this morning, I grew up in this church and in Helena first and have a wonderful family. Some of you might know uh, my parents are Alan and Jolyn Kuzer. I know Lisa and Tim, you guys know them and um, wonderful people. But I had a point in my life where God um, had to bring me to my knees. He had to get me to a point 
through a series of events, I lost my husband, I ended up in addiction, and I might have not mentioned that, but most of our residents are coming, they're struggling with substance use. That's, they don't have to, some of them are just learning a new way of life, but the, primarily that's the issue that we're helping them deal with at the Hope Center. And substance use is their trauma is always a prerequisite to substance use. Um, probably 75% of our residents right now are from the reservations. So we're opening a new women's center in Ronan um, in 2024. First Hope Center ever on tribal land. So we're really excited about that. And we do have a men's center just outside of Butte. So for any men, any of you that are interested, I can help connect you with that center as well. But just real quick, and we won't take up much more time, but um, you know, God had to bring me to a point where I, I'm so thankful for the foundation that my parents gave me. And you know, the scripture is saying, raise a child in the way of, of the Lord and they will not depart from it. Whether I believe it 100%, and I have four kids now, and I, I'm raising them um, in the church as well. But I had to get to a point where I was surrendered, and I had hit my knees, and I um, could not... I was, did not trust myself enough to even leave my room in the morning without first rolling out of bed onto my knees because I had messed up my life so bad. Somehow, I had got so off track that I didn't even know how to find my way back. And it was through that desperation that I, I went all in. And I fully surrendered and just step by step, I feel like God has kept me in just under my head to where um, I have to rely on him because I know what I'm doing what every day I can't do without him or without all of your help. So thank you for letting us share. And Brittany's just going to share a couple minutes here. Hi, I'm Brittany. I've been sober for a year and a half. And Sharon Neeson, thank you. Sharon Neeson was my counselor through my whole program. And I know I wouldn't be where I am today without her. She had a big impact on my program and in my recovery. So I just know that we appreciate our volunteers and the things that they do for us. And we appreciate you guys having us up here today. Thank you. Good stuff. Let me get organized here. You know, it's, it's uh, in our Wednesday night group, we were talking about really the values of fathers and, and how fathers are, are image bearers of, of God, our, our Father. And, and uh, it, it kind of went into the, the prodigal son, right, parable um, of that. And I think we all somewhat are familiar with that story. If not, you should read it. Um, there's a lot of prodigals out there, right? And, and I guess another word for, for prodigal nowadays would be dechurched right and and their need they need to come back in and sometimes they need to go through an avenue like this to come back in so it's a great ministry that that, that we want to get behind and and heck you're going to walk away with a pie or a cake or cinnamon rolls or something and in doing it but there's other opportunities as well so if the holy spirit is like said hey you need to whatever i would say that's an opportunity that you need to to jump into right um, don't be afraid. Um, we hamstring ourselves out of fear and think, well, I'm not qualified to be that or, or to do that. Look at my own life. But if God's calling you to do that, he will equip you to do that. Let's get rolling. You guys want to get rolling? I want to get rolling. Let's get rolling on this mess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, 
Like I always pray, it's so nice to be in your house this morning. It is good that we are in your house this morning. And, and Lord God, we love it. This is where we desire to be. This is where we want to be. So, so Lord God, help us to quiet our minds, quiet ourselves. To, to Lord God, t- take the fear away. Help us to come into a true contact, a true relationship with you. Lord God, whatever you have for us this morning, Lord God, we want that. As convicting or challenging as that might be, we, we, we give you permission to do whatever you need to do in us so that we can receive what you have for us. So Lord God, today allow me to speak, Holy Spirit, only those things that you would have me to speak. Shut my mouth with everything else. And God, once again I pray, and I believe in this prayer. Don't let anybody leave here the same way as they came in here today. Because Lord God, you... You're a a God of change. You never change. But you understand the necessity for each one of us to change. To come become a little bit more like you. So Lord God, once again, we give that permission, but we have that expectation that we don't leave here today the same way that we came in. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, for our visitors today and everything, we are, we are currently in this series on, on Colossians, the supremacy of, of, the supremacy of Christ, and, and we have come a, a long way in a short book, right? We've come a long, long way. We're on, um, this is our, our part 21 um, of such a short book, um, but we're breaking it down. We're, we're, we're taking small pieces, and I think that's important. Today we come to a portion of text that is, it's really uplifting and it's encouraging, but it is also incredibly helpful in relationships. But before we get started, let's once again remember why Paul is writing this letter to the church. Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Jesus is the Son of God. We are to strive to live a life in Christ. How many of you guys believe it? We believe it. We make it personal by, by, by every morning praying this. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in all things and in my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. And I see we have a nice little bug up there, I think, that is causing... Those aren't my graphics... That's him doing his thing. I don't know. Hopefully we don't get distracted. I know I won't. (laughs) Here's a quick recap. Because before we go into the text today, I want to do just a very quick recap of where we have been. In chapter 1, Paul greets the faithful believers. And then he prays for them like he always does. And then he declares the supremacy of Christ. That's kind of the gist of chapter 1. Chapter 2 comes around and is really a warning against false teachers and really the deception and the potential destruction of that false teaching. So chapter 2 is really about a warning. Hey, watch out what is going on. Remember, Paul doesn't speak directly to the false teachers. Rather, he is speaking to the faithful believers in how to conduct themselves and how to um, caution them with that false teaching that's trying to invade their church. Then we get to chapter 3. And chapter 3 is an amazing thing. Because things get real personal real quick. 
Chapter 3 starts off with, with this great encouragement to, to make Christ number one in your life. You've got to have Jesus number one. That's above your job. That's above your family. That's above your spouse. That's above your dog. That's above everything. Jesus has to be number one. And since the old self is now dead, you know, when we come to Jesus, we die to ourselves, right? We're born again. The old self has died, and we are to put to death, but also to deprive of power those things associated with our old self. So all those things that you used to do before you came to Jesus, you're not only supposed to put those to death, but you're supposed to deprive them of power because they want to resurrect themselves in your life and pull you in that direction. And then Paul goes so far as to list some of the old self sins, sins that, that we see that the world currently is consumed with. And we see that in, in chapter 3, verse 5. And then a couple of verses later, we get to verse 8 and 9, and Paul lists some of the, the sins, the issues that, that believers can struggle with if we are not diligent and focusing upon Jesus and, and dying every day to those very things. Now we get to this point in Scripture, you know, hey, Paul introduced himself, he, he prayed, he talked about the supremacy of Christ, he, he did what he really needed to do in addressing the, the, the issues of false teachings, and then he talked about sin and putting on the new self and the things that we need to die to and deprive of, and, and then the things that we can struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis. And in honesty, Paul could, could end it right here, couldn't he? He's brought us so far. He's given us so much information. He could be like, okay, sincerely, Paul, the Apostle, have a good day. P.S. Stay strong in the Lord. But he doesn't. Because he understands that we have to not only die to things, we have to not only deprive them of, of, of power, we need to watch out for those things because those things can quickly sneak back into our lives if we are not careful. We, we, we have to take off the old self and in its place, we have to put on Christ. And in addition to all this, when it comes to our salvation and our, our renewal in Christ, Paul goes into this, this, this statement and this idea that we are all equal in that. Right? There is no distinction of race, color, creed, nationality, class, or economic standing. In, in Jesus, we are both equal and in unity with Him and with each other. And that's in itself an amazing and beautiful concept if you really think about it. So yes, in, in very many ways, Paul could leave it right here, but he doesn't. And I'm so glad that he doesn't. See, we have a list of things that we are to put to death, the things that we are to avoid. Now let's continue in chapter 3 as we get in, in, to an inspiring passage of text. If you have your Bibles today, which I hope you do, in your Bibles, you can mark on them, you can highlight them, you can write in them. Please do all of those things as you are moved to, because that's important to go back and read those things, especially a year from now or whatever. But in your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at chapter or verses 12 and 13 to start out with. It says this, 
So as God's own chosen people who are wholly set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you so should you forgive. I told you it was good, didn't I? I told you we were coming to a portion of Scripture that was so good. If I talked to you before service today, you might have heard me say, oh, we're getting to this part that's just so great. So really what we have done is we have come out of a list of those things that we don't do, right? That was the last, last week you know, before we were talking about those things that we don't do. And now we have come to a list of those things that we are to do. And we will get to those in a minute, but we can't skip the beginning of verse 12 because it is just so good. Paul starts out with a threefold affirmation to the, to the faithful believer. Look at, look at what Paul says. As a born-again follower of Christ, we are... God's own chosen people, holy and set apart for His purpose, well-loved by God Himself. Only one person said amen. Okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that, Glenn, because we should all be shouting out amen to this. This is, this is, this is who we are in Christ. This is, this is how God sees us. This is amazing in itself. See, it's the trifecta of a life in Christ. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. That's how God sees you. And if that doesn't do something in your heart right now, when you hear those words, when you hear that affirmation, I, I think there just must be something amiss in your life. Think about this statement for a minute. I mean, really think about it. God has, in fact, chosen you. Out of 8 billion people living right now and all the people that have ever lived in this world before, throughout history, God has specifically chosen you in this time and in this place. And God has made you holy. God has sanctified you and He's progressively sanctifying you. Out with the old, in with the new. You take off the dirty sweatshirt and you put the nice new clean one on, right? You take off that sinful lifestyle and you wrap yourself in God. He has made you holy and God loves you. God loves you beyond measure. Some of you might, right now or in a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Maybe you struggled with love. Maybe you struggled with loving yourself or feeling that you were completely unlovable. But the reality is, is that God loves you beyond measure. And it doesn't, He doesn't love you because you're sitting in church here this morning. God loves you. God loved you in your sin to the point where He pulled you out of there by way of the death of His own Son. God loves you beyond measure. Now, if you have ever wondered why Christians should live differently from the world that's around them, right here is the answer. 
right here is the answer. And now Paul goes on to say, put on, put on these things. You remember in verse 5, verse 5 Paul says to put to death. And then in verse 8 Paul says to rid yourself of. And both of these terms are expressed in the negative, right? These are the things we are to get away from. It's the don'ts. But now Paul is saying to clothe yourself in these. Now remember, again, we don't just take things off. We're also to put things on. We, we, we don't simply walk away from something. We always have to be walking toward something or someone. And that someone is always Jesus. Interestingly, the Greek word used here for put on, it speaks of an action that is undertaken with a sense of urgency. We don't just... I'll get to that tomorrow. Okay, God, it's a process. I'm in process, God. I've taken this off. I'm going to get to that later. I'm kind of in the in-between. God never desires us to live in the in-between. Right? The in-between is the gray area. And we know there is no gray area. There's either black or there's, there's white. So when Paul is talking here and he says, hey, put this on, he's not just saying when you have time, put it on when you get around to it. He's speaking with a sense of urgency. Why? Why is he speaking with urgency? Well, that's easy. Because we are chosen, set apart, and loved by God. It says this, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How many of you guys love those? Yeah, how many of you guys struggle with any of those? <laughs> yeah. Let's think about these traits for a second. Compassion is to show or to give evidence of pity and tenderness. Compassion is expressed toward the suffering and the miserable. We can look around our neighborhoods, our community. There's a lot of suffering people. There's a lot of miserable people. We need to be showing them compassion. How do we show them compassion? We tell them about our Jesus. That's the greatest way to do it. Now the word used here for kindness combines the idea of goodness, kindliness, and graciousness. Kindness is described as a sweetness of disposition right have you ever met those people and it's just like they're just sweet people they're just kind people it's like i just want to be around them because they're so nice it's it's a sweetness of their disposition and that shouldn't be a unique trait that's a trait that all christians should have humility and, and gentleness are really related terms they go together and did you know that these two traits, humility and gentleness, they were, they were not considered virtues in the pagan world. If somebody was expressing humility and gentleness, they were looked down upon. Now when I look around at our current culture, I, I have to wonder if they are actually considered virtues today. Right? Humility and gentleness are not elevated very high in our modern society. For the Christ follower though, humility and gentleness are two of the most noble traits that we can possess. Humility means 
to think lowly of oneself. Because the reality is, you are lowly. It's coming to a place where you realize it's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. Gentleness. Gentleness is, is the opposite of cruelty and self-assertiveness. One definition says that gentleness is actually the opposite of arrogance. See, we always think the opposite of arrogance is humility. But by definition, the opposite of arrogance is gentleness. The opposite of cruelty and self-assertiveness, which in many terms is the definition of arrogance. So it's the ability to keep power, strength, rights, and authority under control. Right? See, we as Christians, we're, we're born again. We're, 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 we're children of the King. We are, we are followers. We are, we are grafted in to the God of the universe. We have, we have reconciliation with the Father through repentance with the Son. Right? Boy, that could cause us to, to, to act a, a certain way if, if we're not careful. We start thinking, well, at least I'm not like all these sinful people that are around me, right? We have authority in Christ. We have, we have rights in Christ. We have strength in Christ. We have power in Christ. But we have gentleness that brings it all under self-control. Patience or long-suffering is a... Self-restraint is really what patience is. It's a, I went to the DMV to get a license plate and I had to wait for four hours to get it and it really tested my patience. That's testing your waiting, right? That's not really testing your, your patience. See, patience is, is that long-suffering. It's that self-restraint that enables us to bear injury and insult without resorting to a careless retaliation, right? Slow, slow to speak, right? Right. We're supposed to be slow to speak. That's patience. Somebody did that to me. I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to get back at them right now. Patience causes us to exert that self-restraint that enables us to bear that injury or that insult. It's no coincidence here that these are the very traits that, that Jesus expressed. It's the traits that Jesus modeled when He walked this earth, when He walked this earth all the way to the cross. They are also encompassed within the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5.22 and 5.23. Watch how these overlap. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, Patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against all things, there is no law. We like these things. We want more of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We want to be able to extend these things to others, right? Well, we understand that in theory. But how much do we understand it in application? And we have to understand that we are to do this with an urgency. We are to put these on with an urgency. I'll be patient tomorrow. 
I'll be gentle tomorrow. I'll be loving next week. Christmas is coming, so I'm going to do some more of those things as it gets closer. There has to be an urgency. This is a today thing. In his letter to the Colossian believers, Paul seems to really um, state the five traits that this church is in urgent need of right now. Because if these five traits are, are present in the community of believers, beyond just our church, but most definitely in our church, it will eliminate or at least greatly reduce the majority of issues and friction that we find in the body. Now maybe, maybe and in, in, in really hopefully, you are not in a position to see the, the squabbles and the arguments and the quarrels that can quickly occur in a church like like I am. Yeah, that's part of the, the blessing of being a, a pastor. I get to, to see all these little things jump up and, and people coming to me and somebody said this. Did you hear what so-and-so said or did? And it's all these little squabbles and there's arguments and there's quarrels and, and, and oh, I think I offended somebody. And then somebody I took offense to this and, and that's, that's, that's part of my, my role here. It's wonderful. Not really. See, all those who have taken offense or have been hurt or are annoyed or angry, it gets, it gets back to me. And in some cases, there's merit to these things. And honestly, in other cases, not so much. But one thing is for sure. There's always two sides to every story. Now think about this for a second. If, if both sides, the offender and the one who takes offense, both were to adopt or to put on the traits of the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, well, gosh, I bet those issues and misunderstandings would be stopped before they even got started. Maybe there's something to this Scripture. Maybe there's something to this, this Bible and this writing that's in here that's it's advantageous to us. We as believers can do better here. I'm talking to you guys. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a major issue in our body. It's not. We have a loving body. But no matter where we're at, we can always do better. And as believers, we should do better. Why? Why should we do better? Because we are chosen, set apart, and loved by God. Remember when we put on the new self. Our characteristics, our, our, our attributes, they are to reflect the characteristics and the attributes of Jesus Himself. You are an ambassador. You are a reflection of Christ into the community, into the people within your life. So are, we are to put these traits on every day with intention and urgency. What if we actually did that? Every morning we, we woke up and with intention and urgency we put on the fruit of the Spirit. We put on these five traits that we find here. And then, when we fail to extend compassion or kindness or humility or gentleness or patience, because 
I mean, let's be real here. We don't, we don't, we don't want to lie from the pulpit or anything. Let's be real because we're all going to fail time to time. Some of you failed already today. And if you didn't, you're probably going to fail this afternoon. It just happens because we live in this sinful world. Though we try to, we don't always actually do it. But then in those times, we refocus. We realign and we repent. And then with urgency, we put those things back on. Oh, I screwed up. I'm not giving you a free pass here. We shouldn't screw up. We should rely upon the Holy Spirit so we don't screw up. But there's times in our lives we're going to screw up. So we refocus, we realign, we repent, and then with urgency we put them back on. One of the greatest things about God's relationship with us is that He always, and I'm saying He always, wants to set us up for success. Time and time again, we are going to fail. But time and time again, Jesus is there saying, come back in, come on in, let's have a conversation. I want you to succeed. Here's the ways I want to set you up for success. I want to do this for you. Just follow me. Just continue to keep your eyes on me. Things are going to get better. You're going to be more successful if you do this. And he never gets tired of doing that. It's an amazing thing. That's part of that, how much God really loves us. Paul then goes on to say this, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. To bear graciously with each other while having an eagerness to forgive each other involves the five previously mentioned traits. That's why Paul structured this in his writing in this manner. He's, he gets to this point because it's fresh in our mind and we're understanding, oh, those five things, I need to have those five things. If I want to bear graciously, I should probably exert those five things. And I would say to bear graciously with each other or with somebody specifically, I would say it especially takes Patience. Remember, patience is self-restraint that enables us to bear injury and insult without resorting to careless retaliation. Because we so want to resort with careless retaliation. See, if we exert enough patience to get past the initial temptation to retaliate in a careless manner, we will be in a much better position to bear graciously with one another. To bear graciously means to, to put up with those things that we may dislike in others, those things that drive us crazy about other people, those annoying things, even those hurtful things. And if we can start out with the intention to see past the initial offense or annoyance or, or even the hurt, we're going to be in a much better position to extend forgiveness much sooner than later. Now, there are a lot of people that have carried unforgiveness for, for decades. And they, they finally have a Jesus moment. They finally understand what that actually is doing to them. 
And then they finally extend that forgiveness and everything changes. Wouldn't it be much better if they just did that much sooner? Exert a little patience in your life. Don't let the offense offend you so much that you're, you're, you see red and you're only focused upon that thing. But that thing, that word, that phrase that person said, I can never get over that, I could never get over that. What you're doing is you're holding on to that unforgiveness. We have to exert that forgiveness. And it's just better, guys. It's better if you do it sooner than later. Isn't this good stuff? It just really is. See, the theory or the concept of Paul's teaching here, it's so simple and yet so complete. Now, now if I went over, you know, like me, Friday night, maybe I could go down to the walking mall. There's, there's all kinds of people from, from all different lifestyles and, and situations. And I could go to Walmart and do this as well. There's people in their pajamas. There's just, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of people. Now, if, if, if I took Paul's concept here, Paul's theory here, you know what? I would be surprised. I would be very surprised if I approached even a non-Christian. We could go so far as saying an atheist. If I approached them and I, I presented them with these traits and this principle, I would be very surprised if they would argue with me that there is value within those. See, the problem is, without Christ in our life, without taking off the old self and putting on the new, we can't truly put into action any of these traits in a genuine manner. See, the world knows what the world should do, but the world can't do what the world knows they should do because the world doesn't have Jesus. The component of Jesus. It's so vitally important. We can't just tell people what not to do. We have to show them and tell them who enables them to do those right things. Right? See, the believer in Christ can have enough problems here on their own, let alone the world. We have to, we have to meet that with compassion, patience, gentleness, all of those things. Again, we must take what we learn, what we're learning this morning, what the Bible is teaching us, what Paul is teaching us, and we have to practically apply it into our lives. Don't just leave it words. Don't just leave it theories. Actually take that and apply it into our lives, especially with putting on compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now we come to verse 14, which is just, to me, it's a captivating verse. It's, it's a pivotal verse. It's such an important verse. Let's, let's take a look at, at uh, verse 14. Beyond all things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement when each one of us seeks the best for others. All the virtues, those positive traits that we are told to put on and to extend outwardly, they all depend upon 
love. First, the love of God that He extends to each one of us. And second, the love that we can now extend to one another. See, we can't truly extend love to one another until we accept the love that Jesus has for each one of us. Now, on the highest level, all of these traits, they're all manifested in love. They're a manifestation of love. But true, godly love is, is larger than any one of them. In fact, it's larger than all of them combined. And that's why Paul, here in this letter to the Colossians, in, in what we know as chapter 3, it's why Paul separates love, puts it in a category by itself, and he emphasizes it in a distinct way. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in love. Here's a whole new concept now. We know what we are to put off. We know, we know what we're to cast away. We know what we're to put on. But now Paul is saying, hey, you need to put love on. and put, you, you need to wrap yourself in love. And when we put on something, you got up this morning, you, you got dressed, you, you threw your jacket on, you, you probably didn't put a whole lot of idea or intention into that. Well, maybe you did. I just grab a shirt out of the closet and, and grab what's warm. But, uh, but really, once we put that, those clothes on, right, we put our shirt on, we don't think about it that much. It's on us. We put our jacket on. It's, it's on us. We put those on. But this idea of wrapping, once it's on, the jacket or the shirt, it's gone. But when we wrap ourselves, when we wrap ourselves, they in a blanket, right? We wrap ourselves in something. There is more of a constant knowledge going on there, right? You snuggle down. It's like, ooh, the blanket covers all of me and I'm hanging on to this blanket because, because I don't want this blanket to fall off. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to hold this blanket, to have it wrapped around me. We are to wrap ourselves in love. See, that is how we are to treat love. It's differently. It's different than all the other traits. Paul writes here that love is the perfect bond of unity. Oh my goodness, that is so good. That means if disunity exists, then that situation is lacking the component of love. We're disunified as a country, aren't we? We're disunified as a world. Many relationships are disunified. What is it lacking? Love. I'm talking like agape love. I'm talking about... God's love, the love of the Father. The love of the Father that sent the Son to die upon a cross because He loves you and I so much. So it's the perfect bond of unity. It is above all other things. And it binds together all good things. It's all love. See, love is actually the assurance of our intent. Right? Right? You know what that means, right? Because we intend all sorts of things sometimes. But, but if there's not a basis of love in there, then that in, intent just kind of falls away. It's not genuine. We don't, we don't truly express it. People see through that. Listen closely here because this is vital. Extending compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience because we have to is much different than extending compassion, kindness, humility, humility, gentleness, and patience in love. 
it's completely different. See, that's what sets the Christian apart. That's what sets the born-again believer apart. That's what sets the follower of Christ apart because we genuinely extend and express these things through the love of the Father. It's different. People who have never come to a church, a Bible-believing, Spirit-led church before, they don't know what to expect because they've never experienced true love. Everything has been a condition. Everything has been a demand. Everything has been an expectation. But, but love casts all of that out. Love will bring more freedom into your life than anything. So we have to live in love. And don't forget that love is bound together with truth. So when I'm expressing, when I'm saying love here, I'm not talking about the world's love. That just says, hey, everything's great. We should allow everything. That's not true godly love. True godly love is bound to truth. Truth is bound to righteousness. So in order to truly love somebody, sometimes we have to truly tell them the truth. Hard conversations, but that's what true love is. And when we have to tell them the truth, you know it's really a great way to tell somebody the truth about the situation they're living in or the lifestyle that they're living in? If I have to convey truth to somebody, it's really a good idea to use compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And I do all of these things in love. My intention today, what I really wanted to do, what I really thought was going to happen today is I, I thought we were going to get further in our in our series on Colossians that's taking more than a week. I wanted to get a lot further today, but as I dug into these verses and the gravity of these verses, I knew that I couldn't. The worship team, I'm going to invite you guys back up here. I want to give ample time as, as, uh, as we open up these altars just in a few minutes. I want to give ample time simply because there are so many people that have a misunderstanding about love. They have a misconception about love. They were mistreated in the name of love. They don't know how to love others because they've never been able to love themselves. They don't, they don't quite understand what the love of God actually feels like. We want to have a response time so people can come to these altars and, and really come to Jesus and, and to, to, to understand that. As I was writing this message and I was, I was getting really to this portion in it, I thought, you know what, I just need to, to end it here on love. And I, and I knew I needed to end today with some of the well, really, they're some of the greatest words Paul ever wrote, and we find them in 1 Corinthians 13. We're just going to read the entire, that entire chapter here. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 13 says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Everybody stand up. Turn those lights down. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what situations you've gone through in your life. But what I do know is within all of our lives, there's issues, there's traumas, there's hurts, there's pain. All of these things can, can come together. We're living in a, in a world that promotes fear. It lives in fear. Fear is the norm today. But it's God's love that changes all of those things. If you have struggled in your life with, with feeling love, you have struggled in your life with extending love. I invite you this morning to come to this altar and get with God. Get, with, get, get some prayer. Just come to Him and say, God, I don't know. I don't know this love thing that we're talking about. If you have a struggle with loving certain people in your life, get to these altars and say, God, give me the complete picture of love. God, I need some of that patience so that I can get to the point of love. Today is a day that God wants to express His love for each one of us. And I think we would be fools to turn our back on that. I think we would be fools to run from that. I think we would be fools to fear that. God is gentle. The Holy Spirit is sweet. He wants to wrap His arms around you and show you this morning just how loved you are. But I would also say He wants to equip you in a whole new way this morning so you can extend that love to the people that are around you. Those de-churched people, those unchurched people, those people that are living in addiction or hopelessness, those people that are alone, people that are so steeped in their sin. It's God's love that changes things within their life. Not our condemnation, but it's His love. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we will stand up here and we will sing as long as we need. But I am inviting you this morning to get loved, to feel loved, to extend love, and to be equipped to love. Heavenly Father, Your your teachings, your concepts, your attributes, the very essence of your being is love. 
Love cannot be separated from you. And you truly love each one of us. No matter where we're at right now, you truly love each one of us. Your righteousness and your truth cause us to have an understanding that, that, man, we may not be in the place that we should be, but we're wooed to you. We are called to you through your love. So this morning, Lord God, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to people, Jesus, I pray that, that you give them the expressed desire to understand love. To receive that love. To express that love. And to look for opportunity to love. Lord God, we are your body. Bridge Assembly is a body that, that, that just, we're under you. We truly love you. But we also have an understanding that the love that you have for us isn't solely for us. So help us to love, to truly love those that are around us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. The altars are open. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.